0: God, we sing of your throne room and your presence and your, your life, your, your desire to be with us, and we thank you for that. And so we welcome you here, that these words that I'm about to speak would just be your words that profoundly change us and affect us and transform us into more of your image, that we would be more eager and open to see you and hear you, and, um, and that this world will be changed as a result of that. And we ask this in your powerful name. Amen. All right, kids, if you need to clear out, please do that. Wendy, you better tell Sam to come back quick because it looks like Chloe was gunning for his job, for sure, she was keen as. So uh, yeah, the kids are upstairs if if you need to make um, make the most of that. Um, So the other day, I watched an interesting video on YouTube of a photographer that said, I'm gonna set myself a challenge, I'm gonna take what any of us would think was a really ordinary image and I'm gonna make it spectacular. And then he showed the image and he was right. It was very ordinary, it was very rubbish. It was, that, it was one of those photos that if you went on holiday and you took it and you got back here like, oh, scrap that, right? And so then he proceeded to edit it and he didn't manipulate it by introducing any new elements. He took everything that was there, he, he drew the light out of it, and he darkened and lightened and, and changed the composure and the, um, and the uh, 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 contrast and all of these things. And as he did it, you gradually saw the brilliance of this image... Appear before you. And, and I'm sitting there watching this going, there's no way I would have, that would have been in the scrap heap. Like, <sharp inhale> gone. But the editor, the author of the photo, saw something brilliant in it. And his task was to draw that out so that everybody else could appreciate it. And as I'm engaging in this, I'm thinking that's exactly who Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. He looks at what we might scrap or dismiss or stay away from or be scared of. And he sees the beauty and the, the brilliance and the spectacular in it and in us and seeks to draw it out of us so that others might see it, so that we might see it in ourselves. And you see that in Jesus when he was talking with people, when he was making decisions, when he was giving advice. It was like his heart could see something that ours at times failed to. It's like the eyes of his heart were open that he could see out of love something taking place or or, or a certain um, quality or value in someone that most of us just might dismiss or even run away from. I mean, he saw that loser fisherman and invited him to be a disciple. That's crazy. He he saw this evangelist imprisoned in a demon-possessed body. None of us would have seen that. He saw this grateful worshipper that was trapped in a body that was shriveled up and dying from leprosy. He saw a generous host in what everybody else knew was the thief and the tax collector. His heart saw things that most other hearts miss. They don't see. So I thought we'd do a little experiment. And for a change, instead of putting you guys in the awkward position, putting your head on the chopping block, I'm going to do that with me. I'm going to use myself as an example and I can hear the sigh of relief around the room. So a few months ago, I was driving down a a road close to our place and I looked out the window and on the side of the road were a couple of young boys selling lemonade. Very excited. They were waving at the cars as they came past them, beckoning them. And I'm driving past, I'm like, that is a brilliant idea. I'd love to stop, but I can't because I'm going to be late. And then as I drove past, I'm like... I know Jesus would stop, but he probably isn't as busy as I am today. And I've got these things that I'm going to get, no, I'm going to, and by the time I would come to the point of maybe I should turn around, I was well and truly miles away from wherever their stand was. But I made myself a promise. I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. That felt pretty lousy to do that. Next time, I'm going to listen to that nudge of the Spirit, and I'm going to stop. So about two months later, so a couple, uh, about a month later, a month ago, I was driving down a different street and a different couple of boys were, and I kid you not, selling lemonade. I'm like, there's a, like a craze going on. And these two boys are by the side of the road. Now, as I drove along, I was talking on the phone, not like this, but with the Bluetooth, right? So I was doing the right thing. So I was, I was probably talking to one of you, so it's probably one of your fault. Uh, along, I drove along, talking on the phone, and I was on my way to an appointment that I was on time for, but I knew if I mucked that time up, a, a whole bunch of other things would just um, crash and collide. And I drive past, I'm talking on the phone, and I see these guys selling lemonade. And I'm like, no! I said, if I ever saw it again, I'd stop, but I can't. It's too inconvenient. And so I drove on past these guys, and I didn't stop. And I politely justified it to myself. I'm like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't really matter. Like, it's not the end of the world. They've got more lemonade to sell to other people this way, right? I, I hope I'm not on my own with this, but I, I reflect on that. I'm like... I didn't have the eyes of Christ. My, my heart didn't see and feel a circumstance. And I didn't obey as Jesus would. Jesus would have played out that scenario really differently. You see, God has given me a new heart. It says in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will remove from you your heart of stone that doesn't stop for children who sell lemonade. And I will give you a heart of flesh. But it's a journey, right? Learning how to live with a new heart. Learning how to live with a new spirit. I think part of us hopes for this dramatic, I am completely changed now, but we, we learn to accommodate this new heart that God has given us. You see, Jesus' heart was saturated and defined by the love of God. In contrast to that, there's my heart that's sometimes damp with the love of God and sometimes like a little bit shaped but, but saturated by the love of God and, and defined by the love of God, that's what I crave, that's what I long for. But at times I realise, ah, I'm not quite where I thought I would be or how I should be. Paul says in Romans, he says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's great news, right? Our hearts have just been overflowing with the love of God. We're just this, it just gushes upon us and we're so full. The problem is my heart has holes in it and it leaks. And then when I do something for somebody or engage with someone out of the love of God, I expend that, right? I pass on that love of God and I don't refill as much as I should. Now, I hope at this stage I'm not the only one with a defect heart, right? I hope we're all in the same Space is this. Jesus' heart was full of God's love. And he saw things that required God's attention and he responded to them. We can go, it's just too inconvenient or too uncomfortable or it doesn't fit or that's awkward or embarrassing and I'm going to shy back from that. And when we do that, we revert back to a heart of stone, to this new heart that God's given us. So what does our heart see? It's an interesting question. And the idea, the concept doesn't come from me at all. It actually comes from the Apostle Paul, which I was quite surprised about. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, um, wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus. It's called Ephesians. And in that, in the first chapter, and if you've got your Bibles, on, the, you don't have to, I can, I'm going to do it all, but if you want to follow along, um, uh, it's Ephesians 1, it's the first chapter of Ephesians. And verse eighteen, Paul is writing to a church, just like us. He writes a letter, and the letter would have been like stood and somebody would have read these words. So this is verse 18 of chapter one of Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may the hope may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe he says i pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened and it's brilliant right because the the language the concept paul talks about when he says enlightened is the same concept he picks up what god said right at the very start when he said let there be light so so Let's just travel back there, Genesis 1. I know not many of us were there when it happened. But we're we're, we're there, um, and and you're... you're, (laughs) you're (laughs) Fiona. You almost get kicked out of church for that. There's not too many things you could do. So it's pitch black. And God says, let there be light. And light explodes onto the creation. So what was lost in darkness is now found in light. And God sets up a pattern by how he's going to work. He's going to find things in darkness and set them free into light. And so he speaks and light roars out of his mouth. And all of a sudden, the creation that he has been molding in darkness, in complete darkness, becomes seen. In fact, darkness is swallowed up by the presence of light. It's so powerful. It's so profound. It releases this power that God is wanting to reside in his creation. So God speaks and everything can be seen. And it was something only achieved as God spoke. He speaks, the light turns on and everything changes. What was lost in darkness is now found in light. All because of his voice. And so Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will Will have the same experience that all of creation had when God spoke. And light roared. And all of a sudden it's everything's different now. It feels different. I can see different. When I look at someone, they look different. When I in a situation it seems different than it did before. It's it's like it's been defined by God's voice. That doesn't make sense, but it's like I can see things that I never could see. All because God chooses to speak, God chooses. To reveal, may your hearts be emblazoned with light so you can see what God wants you to see. May our hearts undergo such a radical change that it mirrors the explosion of light in creation, which became the life source for everything. See, God wants our eyes to wake up to seeing the world the same way Jesus did. He wants us to be able to open our eyes. So how does that happen? <laughs> I was like, this is nice. nice. Uh, I wish that could happen for me, but it's not happening. It has that happened. Like, how has that become a reality? How, how do I see? How do I get my heart to see? Well, we need to go back one verse. So we go back to Ephesians 1, verse 17. If you've turned your Bibles off, you've got to turn back on. Um, back to verse 17. Paul says this. He says, if, if, you know, when they wrote this, people never thought someone would say, if you've turned your Bible off. Like, what is that? Okay, Ephesians 1, 17. Paul says, I keep asking. That's how he kicks it off. I keep asking. See, it's important to Paul, but it's more important to Paul that it's important for other people. So this isn't just something he's like, yeah, this is a nice idea. He's like, I'm committed to this. This is really important. I'm going to keep bringing it up. I'm going to keep asking God for you. This is really important that you don't stay asleep. And he writes to Christians. He doesn't write to people that we might go, well, what chance have they got to have their eyes open? He, He actually writes to people... Who should have this down already. Who should get this. It's encouraging right. He writes to us and we go. Oh it's meant for us. It's not that we're failing or doing a rubbish job. Of following Jesus or anything like that. It's actually that part of the journey of life. That Paul wants to bring our attention to. And make sure we grab hold of this. He says I keep asking. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The glorious Father. May give you the spirit of wisdom. And revelation. And give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. So God wants to give us a spirit of revelation and wisdom so that we can know God better. God's gift of spirit and God's gift of a spirit of wisdom and revelation, when received, enables us to know God more. That, once we know God more, it opens us up to the things. Of God, right? We get to see the world the way God sees them because we know God better. So how do we open our eyes Well, we know God better? How do we know God Well, we receive this gift of wisdom and revelation? It's like, okay, this is starting to make a little bit more sense. So what, what's revelation? Well, the best way to understand revelation isn't to go to the book of Revelation and read it. If you want to confuse yourself, absolutely head there. It's a great book, but not helpful for this question. The, the, um, the idea behind revelation is to reveal something. So God's revelation is God revealing something of who he is and what he has done and what he wants to do and what he wants to say to you. So when you think of revelation, you think of what is God revealing to us. And revelation's partner in crime is wisdom. They're connected. They're really strongly connected. And this is really, really important. You cannot have something revealed to you without then doing something with it. Right, So you can't have God reveal something to you without you then doing something with it. We hunger for the revelation of God. We get really kind of like antsy around the doing part. Wisdom is the other side of the coin to revelation. So, So God won't reveal something unless he expects us to act with godly wisdom and do something. Acting with godly wisdom... Is, is the fulfillment of a revelation from God. Right? So these two things, they're intricately connected. So they help us make sense. I want to share a story. So I, I, for Village, I work four days a week, and then I get to fill my other day out with a bunch of different stuff. And one of the things I get to do is lecture and tut, tutor. Tutor. Hmm, a bit weird, isn't it? Tutor at New Life College. And so I've been doing that for a while now on and off. I've been doing it this semester. And in my travels, I met a lady and she shared her story with me. And it is just amazing. So um, she, years ago, um, used to work in Victoria. I know, feel sorry for her, right? I did. Um feel sorry for her. <coughs> work there. And she gets a job opportunity to move up to Queensland to, to do a job that she is spectacularly underqualified to do. Like, she looks at this on paper, she hears about it, she's like, There is no way, but the, the, the guy who's got the job is like, We've been looking at a few different people, but we really want you. And so she doesn't know what to do, right? This means her husband leaves his job, the kids get uprooted from school, they completely relocate from Victoria to Gold Coast. I a mean, oh, terrible life, right? Okay, to Gold Coast, and she's torn, she doesn't know what to do. And so she finds herself one night in church. She's um, there and the, um, the preacher said something like, you know, what do you want from God? And she said, I only want, she's praying, she says, God, I only want one thing. I just want you to tell me a yes or a no. Should I go or should I stay? Yes or no. And she said, I heard the audible voice of God. Because it's never happened before. This, audible, this voice and the voice said, yes, you need to move to Queensland. Don't worry about anything else. That's the revelation part of the scenario, right? Wow. We, we would love that to happen to us. Wouldn't you like sometimes just like, God oh, just speak to me audibly, right? So I just don't muck it up. Just tell me exactly what you want. We, we go, that would be absolutely incredible. Which causes me to ask, well, what's the value of it? What's the value of, of God's audible voice, of God telling us to do anything? You see, the entire value of that revelation from God is completely dependent on whether we do anything with it. So God speaks. This woman hears. Exactly the question she asked, gets an answer, and doesn't do anything with it. Waste of time, God speaking. But if she chooses to respond with wisdom, and not an earthly wisdom, but a kingly wisdom that says, okay, God, well, I want to live my life according to you, then it has the potential to change Everything. If God speaks and we don't obey, what we're saying to God is, there's no reason for you really to talk to me. Like, I know I want that, but I'm not going to take it seriously when you do. But when we receive God's revelation with wisdom and we act on it, our experience of who God is dramatically changes. In fact, that changes more than everything else because we're like, wow, God wants to know me. He's so interested in my life. That's what Paul said. I keep asking that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you might know him better. Which is what this lady did. She uprooted her whole family from Melbourne, Victoria and dragged them all up to Queensland because God told her to, right? Now, is that wise according to the world's definition of wise? No, as dumb. You don't like a, you heard a voice in your head and you moved. It. No, no, no. Okay, is that wise according to God's economy? <laughs> Has to be right. In fact, that's obedience. That's what that looks like. Who do we want to live our lives according to? Hmm we sometimes settle for the wisdom of the world, but we actually, that's not what we really want. We really want God's wisdom attached to God's um, revelation. So she moved up here. She started the job, and it was for an international um, a business management company. So it was a company that helped other businesses around the world um, get better. And when she started, she was so bad that she wasn't allowed near another client. Right, So strict admin and coffee and photocopying, not to talk to any of her customers. That's how bad she was. Now, just a few years later, now, she's mentoring business leaders from all around the world. She's keynote speaking at different things. Her experience is completely and radically changed. And then the other day, she's in a presentation where her boss is presenting. Right, So they're business people from all over the place. She's sitting there in the front row. Her boss is presenting and says, let me tell you a story about, let's call her Jane, about Jane who's sitting here. And Jane's like, what are you going to say? And her boss proceeded to say something something that she'd never heard before. She didn't know. And her boss said this about her sitting in the front row to everyone. He said, I'm not sure why we hired her. She was grossly underqualified. There were a number of better applicants who had uh, uh, applied for the job. And she had to move a whole family interstate." But there was just something about her we couldn't get past. So we hired her. And I'm so glad we did. There was just something about her that we couldn't get past. See, when God reveals and when we trust and obey, he does things for us, with us and in us that we could never have or be apart from God. They couldn't be ours. And isn't that the life we want? Like, oh, God, that, that'd be exciting. To be used in that way. To have the, the real deep desires of my heart fulfilled by a God who loves me. Wow. See, when we receive the revelation from God and we act on it with God's wisdom, so wisdom according to God, then our eyes are awoken to what God is up to. And the eyes of our heart become enlightened. Now, she, Jane, is doing the study at New Life College as an audit because she doesn't need a bit of paper. She wants to get better at working with business people and telling them about Jesus and how Jesus can like, change their life in an organization that's not Christian. Her eyes have opened up. She's like, oh, that's what God wants for me. This is where God has put me. God has deliberately put me here, so I've got to get equipped to get really good at this. And that's what she's doing. She's investing herself in opening her eyes to the things Jesus already sees, the things God sees, and joining with God on that. If she'd have said no when God spoke, if she'd have declined to be wise according to God, she'd have forfeited it all. She'd have just missed it all and she wouldn't have realized how much she missed. The eyes of her heart would have stayed closed So wisdom is about trusting the revelation of God. It's not enough to just receive the revelation from God. Something's required of us when we do. So the gift of God is both wisdom and revelation. It's both showing us something and then requiring we do something with that. And God's ultimate revelation, the greatest revelation God has, is the cross. He revealed to all of history... Exactly what his agenda was. Exactly what he was on about. Exactly what his heart was about. You see, the cross reveals to us God's love. That he would die for us. We'd die for our sin and all our unworthiness. He would die for us. The cross reveals God's compassion. That he would take his sin upon himself and spare us. The brokenness that we experience, God wants that. So we don't have to. The cross reveals God's kindness. That he would offer us life instead of the death that we've become content with and we've settled for. The journey our lives take confronts us again and again with this question until we give in. What do we do with what God has done for us? What do we do with what God has done for us? If this is who God truly is, what does this mean for my life? Is this the kind of love God has? How does that change me? And a response to this is a choice of whether we'll trust in God or trust in something less than God, which is ultimately less sufficient. It's insufficient. God is revealing that again to us today. He wants us all to see his cross. He wants us all to see what he has done. He wants us all to see his character and his love that would do that. And if he does that, then everything else is possible. Everything else for us is desirable. And for some of you today, it might be a first step. It might be the first step of going, "Oh, okay, well, what does it mean to enter into a relationship with this God, to, to, to trust this God, to be wise according to the cross and not according to what everyone else thinks is, is smart? And some of us, it might not be our first step. We might have been in the place where we go, oh, yeah, yeah here, here, Ralph goes, talking about the cross again. Got this. I'm good. Like, yep, yeah, Sorted. I want to tell you something, though. Each week, I I get to think about how I'm going to communicate what Jesus did. And every single time it happens, I become more and more enamored with the majesty of what God did for us. I become enthralled that God would love us so much. I feel so unworthy of the gift that he's given. The more I think about what he did, the more I process it, the more I try and understand it and grasp it in words to talk to others about, the more I go, so don't deserve it. That's the God who loves me. That's the God who loves us. You see, God wants to call us to his revelation, to what he has shown us, what he has revealed, and say, look at that because you'll see me. You'll get to know me better. You'll get to feel my heart. And when you start to feel my heart, your eyes will become open. So we're invited into this revelation, of God. We're invited in to this risking wisdom. And we cannot let complacency or inconvenience rob us of what God wants to reveal to us of what he has already done so we're going to do two things now Um, we're going to just break into groups of three or four so no more than that because it just gets too much so groups of three and four and then I'm going to pray for everybody just sitting where you are I'm just going to pray for us and I want to pray that our lives become aligned with godly wisdom not with other forms of wisdom that we might trust in what God has for us And then I'm going to wrap up and encourage you to just sit there and listen for what God wants to say to you. Now, don't be disappointed if you don't hear the audible voice of God. That was amazing. That is not kind of what I experience on a day-to-day basis or I don't think I've ever heard the audible voice of God. But what we're doing is going, oh, God, what do you want to say to me? What impression do you want to give me? What idea do you want to drop into my thinking what do you want to show me? What do you want me to recall that might be helpful? What scripture is there? What words of others that, that ring through that you want to use to speak to me right now? And we're going to be in little groups and just because if somebody, if God speaks and says something to you about somebody else in the group or about yourself, we want to give you the opportunity to share it. So you don't need to wait for any particular time. You might just go. Oh, I feel God's saying this. God's stirring this. God's put this on my heart, and it might be for one of you or it might be for me. And um, Mike Pilavacci says, nobody dies if this goes wrong. right? So that's the win. no one's going to die. Um, so if you think, ah, oh, it's just a silly thought, or make it a silly thought that you share with the group because it might actually help someone in a way that you have no idea about. And if it doesn't, maybe it's something that later on does or maybe it was just a silly thought and then who cares? It's all good, all right? And I realize some, some of you are like, oh, this, I've never done this before. Like, what? Just sit. Enjoy. Listen for the Spirit of God. See if God surprises you today. All right, so I'll jump into groups. Take five seconds to do that now. Just um, And once you feel like you've had enough time in that space, like then we're done. So then you can go up and grab your kids or just run away or have a couple or hang out. Um, so yeah, don't run away without your kids. Um, so there's no kind of end time or whatever. Um, but just, let's just sit in this space and see what God wants to do. So let's. Um, let me pray. Beautiful and loving God, we, just, we are so thankful for all that you give to us. That you reveal again and again and again your love and your care, your concern for us, your kindness. And may we learn how to trust that. May we learn how to accept that. May we learn how to receive this, this spirit of, of wisdom and revelation. And we sit in this space, God, just right now. To ask that you would forgive us for our sin and our brokenness. But that you would reveal something new to us. You would show us something new. Your spirit might impart something to us to make clarity of our own situation or not offer somebody else. And so God, we just wait on you now. Please speak to us.